This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Did one of the best sci-fi comedies from the 1980s actually debut in 2017? Set your TTD for 20 seconds from now, and let's find out. Once again, it's time for the idiots. Objective defense of the 80s from a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from. Oh, yeah, I did it again, Ray. From, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, how about this? How about from a couple of guys stuck in a time loop that is the 1980s? That's, that's pretty cool, right? Something like that. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend and my co host, Ray. Hello, everybody. And also joining us today for the entire show is our very special guest, one of our favorite actors. You know him and love him from Preacher, a future man, and that Harley Quinn movie that keeps having its name changed. Uh, please welcome to the show, star of stage and screen, Derek Wilson. How you doing, Derek? How's it going? Good. Good, good, good. good. Uh, and we invited Derek on the show only to torture him. Uh, with 80s trivia. Here we go. No, just kidding. Yeah. No good. <laughs> Watch the color drain from his face. Um, no. Uh, I was alive. I was, I was definitely alive. So. That was the only question we had. Uh-huh. No, but uh, Ray and I are huge fans of Future Man and, and Derek's other work, but, but Future Man in particular feels like it could be uh, a lost 80s sci-fi comedy, you know, if it were rated R. And so we'll get uh, Derek's thoughts on that. Also, uh, we'd like to get his opinion on some other things happening with regard to 1980s media. And one last thing, he's working on a, a project now that sounds very exciting to me, so we want to talk about that as well. But before we do any of that, please like, subscribe, rate, review, do all those things that will help other folks find the idiots too. You hog. And get a magnet for uh -huh. your grandmother's oh, he's always, refrigerator. He's always selling stuff. Okay. You can you can get those at Tee Public mm -hmm. and T-shirts. Right. Or find someone's filthy car. Are they filthy this time of year? And write, instead of writing clean me in the dirt, you could write, you know, listen to the 80s. Yeah, that works too. All right. Hey, enough of that. Let's get caught up on 80s news. Oh, you know, so, so before the show, Derek, I was, I was mentioning to Derek that he could say anything he wants, you know, and... Yeah. Ray swears, and sometimes he doesn't swear, and I bleep it anyway because it seems funnier to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, when I was a kid, I always thought movies and TV shows, you know, when they, or rather, movies when they put them on TV, you know, they would censor all the bad words out. When they added that bleep, that made it seem harder core to me than hearing the word. The bleep is good. The uh, the replacement words are sometimes ah, better. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We should do a whole show on like clips of 80s movies with the replacement yeah. words on the There's a, uh, I wish I could think of them. There's some famous ones. Though. Yeah. I think Die Hard has was, one that's really Yeah, I was going to say Die oh, Hard yeah. is probably the most famous. Oh, yeah. What is it? Yeah. Yippee Kaye. What is it? Yippee Kaye. Uh, does it even say it Yippee Kaye? It might be like, have a good it, it, day, nah, sir. Nah, it's, it's, it's something like Yippee Kaye Mother Trucker or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. that's what it, It's something like oh, that. Oh, God. Yeah. It's very similar to that. And if the goal is yeah, to get good. kids to not say these words or, or keep them from asking their parents, mom, what does it mean? You know, there's going to be more questions. Like, what does it mean to be the mother of a trucker? Or how is that an insult, <laughs> mom? Hey, grandma is the mother of dad. Who's a trucker? I don't know. All right. <laughs> okay. Hey, in 80s news today, Derek's making me nervous. <laughs> hey, in other, in 80s news today, 
because there's always 80s news. Derek, this is one of the things that helps, helps prove our thesis of the show that the 80s was the best decade for pop culture ever. We'll fight your decade. Is that there's always 80s news. Okay. I'm excited to hear what it is, what the, what the news is. Well, this week in 80s news, uh, Robert Plant just did an interview. We learned of this by, by way of Rolling Stone, that he did an interview where he said that, um, and I quote here, Early on, I was embracing whatever I felt really moved me at the time. So the techno revolution of the 80s is, well, we look back now in horror. Or maybe we don't look back in horror. We Now we look back and go, geez, how did we actually manage to get our head around that sort of <laughs> So Robert Plant said at some point in the 1990s, he realized that the music he produced in the 1980s was garbage. Well, when you, yeah, I mean, you, get, you compare it to what, you know, you compare it to Zeppelin in the 70s. What do you, it's, uh, it's hard to mm. disagree with him there. But you're saying that when he teams up, re-teams up with Jimmy Page in the 80s and creates the Honey Drippers, that that's not as good as Zeppelin? No. Yeah. All right. So look, these are the exceptions that prove the rules, I think. That overwhelmingly yeah. the 80s was... Well, uh, technically, though, this, this proves that Robert Plant was smarter in the 80s. Hmm. How, do you, how do you figure that? Because he changed when he went into the 90s. Hmm. I'm not following you here. So he realized what he, was, what he did in the, in the 80s, he realized was crap. Hmm. So he was smart enough to get out of that and move on to something oh, else. I see. See, Ray's, Ray's really good at this, Derek. No matter what wow. happens, he's going to win. You know, he's going to prove. He's going to defend the '80s. Yes. All right. So what he's saying is what you what he learned in the '80s made him realize that the music he created in the '80s was right. I do remember that that uh, so, solo Robert Plant was my introduction to Led Zeppelin because I was a kid in the '80s and I remember seeing wow. uh, the you know the record stores the little cutout of Robert Plant hanging. Yeah, uh, you know, as the advertisement. <laughs> yeah, the cardboard on the string. <laughs> yeah, around. yeah, which was a big '80s thing, apparently. And um, uh, yeah, I was like, "Who's that curly-headed, golden, <laughs> golden-locked <laughs> angel?" Did you? But that led you to listen to his solo stuff. You're saying? Uh, no, it didn't. It oh, oh, led oh, me oh, back okay. to Zeppelin. No, it, I was like, "Who is that?" Oh, that's oh Led Zeppelin. Let me check out Led Zeppelin, <laughs> and then it was yeah. You're like, move aside. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so are you a Zeppelin fan then? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, big yeah. time. Look, in our, our premise here, Derek, is not that there wasn't other, better stuff from other decades or that there hasn't been since. We're just saying 80s was when things peaked. So the sure. 70s, you know. I, I don't know who inherited the mantle from Zeppelin, say, in the 80s. That that might be a tough... Uh, probably Van Halen. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. yeah. Of course. All right. So, hey, in other 80s news, Ray... This will excite you. You can own the home. Yeah, I feel like this is this is an odd thing that's happening. I'm just going I think our discussion about uh, maybe avoiding or being better with our language on the show or avoiding certain words, you know, has made me only want to say more outrageous things now that you're here and I've said that. What the? When did we agree to? I'm saying that? now I feel encouraged to say things more outrageous. Like, hey Ray, how would you like to own the bathroom in which Brad from Fast Times at Richmond High? masturbated in i if i lived out there i would absolutely buy that house and every time i walked into the backyard mm. i would hum that song to myself oh okay <laughs> do 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 so talking about cars moving in stereo of course because we've just learned uh, via the ultimate classic rock.com uh, that um the famous home from fast times at richmond high is now for sale for seven hundred and forty thousand dollars I'm thinking in Southern California that gets you 500 square feet. Yeah. Oh, that's is it? Where is it? Is it is it Los Angeles? Yeah. It says it's in the West Hills. So that sounds like a bargain. Yeah, that's cheap. That can't be right. They must be missing a zero. I bet you they're missing a zero. 
Because that place is pretty big, I think. I can't right? remember. I just remember the pool. Oh, <laughs> well, here you go. It's got... <laughs> yeah. Everyone's thinking about the pool, and everyone yeah. forgets about the bathroom. In the bathroom, yeah. Why am I thinking about the bathroom? Yeah, what are you oh, doing boy. over there? <laughs> what am I doing? It says it features three bedrooms, two bathrooms, uh, one which has a jacuzzi, uh, living room, dining room, which features hardwood floors, the kitchen, uh, which has ample space for preparing meals. And of course, it has the iconic pool in the back, which is essentially looks unchanged except for some of the greenery. Yeah, that seems like a steal now that I say that out loud. Seven hundred and forty thousand really dollars. Yeah, I don't. Know, maybe there'll be a bidding yeah. war. That's what they're counting on. I think you should start higher, though, right? I mean, yeah, it'll it'll go for more than that. I'm sure. You're you're gonna have to outbid Judge Reinhold, though. You think? Yeah, he's got a lot of memories in that house. Where is? Do you guys have a? Do you know where he is? Where's Judge? <laughs> Now I feel like you may, you may have gotten the wrong impression about our show, as if maybe okay. we've actually captured '80s icons and tagged them and released them back uh, into the wild. I thought maybe you know Dude, you, that's, you, a, <laughs> that's a fantastic idea, though. Yeah, I like that. Where's Judge? We Tagging don't? celebrities from the '80s so we can keep track of them. I guess it is true, though, what you suggest, Dark, because there, there are certainly a number of '80s folks that we want to talk to, and we want to tracking them down and figuring out what they're up to. But Judge Reinhold mm-hmm. isn't one. No, not for, I have nothing against Judge Reinhold. Put him on the list. Put him I on the list. He's on him. the list. I bet he's a great guy. Oh, yeah. Is this to make up for me suggesting that he masturbated into the bathroom? That was a character, <laughs> folks. It was. It was a character. I guarantee you at some point he's masturbated in a bathroom, though. Mm-hmm. Come on. In other 80s news, this is about our beloved show, Cobra Kai. And I learned about this uh, on Cinema Blend, that... A pretty this they, they point out that a pretty important Cobra Kai plot hole has been pointed out by a popular martial artist. You know, when they say popular, it's actually YouTube popular, which you know says folks. This this gentleman named Jesse Enkamp, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, calls himself the Karate Nerd, and he's got a YouTube channel where he talks about karate. Well, he pointed out in this video that um, this is really going to be nerding it up, man. No, no, this is. This is it. Derek, have you ever watched Cobra Kai? Uh, I have not, no, but I, I should because I was a huge Karate Kid oh. uh, fan. Were you a fan yeah. beyond the first film, this you know, second film? I remember seeing the second film in the movies yeah. and I was, yeah, I, I I liked it then, but I haven't seen it since then. Yeah. I, but I saw it I saw it in the theater and I remember doing the live or die thing and I still remember that. <laughs> live or die, man! Live or die! Yeah. Honk. Um... <laughs> If you do watch Cobra Kai, definitely should watch. This is what my wife and I did: watch one, watch two, then watch Cobra Kai because there's so many Easter eggs and references, and it's just something really okay. rewarding about the way they did it. It really is an excellent show. That um, I don't know if you would enjoy it if you didn't like Karate Kid. Probably it might be a, still an interesting show. Yeah, I, 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 it's it's. I should watch it. I should definitely get to it. It's now. It's it moved to Netflix, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. And uh, it started somewhere else. It started on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube Red. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and apparently not. I thought everybody saw it on YouTube Red, but now that it's on Netflix, tons more people are seeing it and recommending oh, yeah. it and such. Now, do you watch? I don't know. This might be a personal question because you're you're an actor, obviously. Uh, do you watch television? I don't watch a lot of television. Yeah. Uh, but I. But uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll get hooked into something. Yeah. Even like a docu series or something. I've been watching The Vow recently. See, you were is... you were an auteur. Is that is that a word? Artist. You're an artist. You know, I remember. No, no, I, 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 Derek, you make me feel uh, on the pyramid or the the hierarchy on the show of crassness. You know, I, I tend to think of myself towards sophisticated. But now you're just I'm down. I remember when I was in New York. You know, and I used to work in theater many years ago. That. Uh-huh. 
my artist friends, I always felt like the most, and I was raised by wolves essentially. So, you know, this kind of makes sense. But I was not, I shouldn't say that. I was raised on pop culture. So movies, TV, I was the kind of kid, you know, sure. we would play outside till the lights went out and then we watch TV or if it was raining, we're renting movies. But I, when I started working in New York and meeting actors, and these people are still my dear friends today, that it would be this thing where it's like, hey, did you check out this show? No, I haven't seen that one. I don't watch much TV. What's a television? I mean, it was like we were trying to out, they were trying to outdo each other with how removed from pop culture they were, you know? No, I certainly am not that. I just, I just don't, it's funny. Uh, during the lockdown, you would think that I, because I, I watch a lot of movies, but yeah. I've watched very few movies dur during this time. Yeah. We've just been doing, uh, you know, my girlfriend and I have just been doing, I don't know, other things, just, I, I don't know. We try not yep. to like, it would be very easy to sit in front of the TV the whole time. Just check um, out, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we haven't really done that. That's true. Um, but I, I, you know, I have nothing against television. So you own a television then? Yeah. All right, there you go, folks. Dirk Wilson yeah. owns a television. And that's all we wanted to get out of him. That's what this was a long con. It's, it's, uh, it's bad publicity for actors to, to say they don't watch a lot of TV. You should say that you'd like watch it like nonstop all the time and that everyone else should do it too. No, I mean, I, I, I understand that, but I, no, I, I uh, <laughs> from a business perspective, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't begrudge anyone watching television. Right. It would be like I me going, yeah, I don't really like podcasts. I don't listen to them. <laughs> Wait, but you don't. <laughs> but see, that wouldn't affect that would, Yeah, okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, first of all, Derek makes money doing what he does, Ray. So no, there's a big true. difference right there. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I think that's right, too. I think my wife and the same thing now that I think about it. We used to watch more television routinely at night. And, you know, we had sort of routines. We would be streaming. We'd binging a show, but we'd try not to binge it. We would try to pace it out. But I think we've actually cut back, too, since we've around all the time at home. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. There'll be papers written on on this in years from now. Yeah. I don't I don't know what I mean. say or conclude. What were we talking know. about? Uh, we were talking about I'm crass because it took oh, me like four days to binge watch the entire Future Man series. That's, oh, that's crass. Okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. You're an animal. I like my TV. Yep. And I'll sit there and I'll watch it all day long if I could. <laughs> so this gentleman, I remember now, uh, Cobra Kai. So this gentleman on, on YouTube, ah. all this is getting cut out. It's just, this show's going to be five minutes long. This uh, gentleman <laughs> on YouTube, Jesse Enkamp, points out, this is real, I was saying that, this is really wonky stuff. This guy, you got to watch this video if you want to look up. Jesse Enkamp, E-N-K-A-M-P. Again, I might be pronouncing that wrong. He explains how the Karate Kid the type of uh, karate that Mr. Miyagi teaches is is based on, at least in theory, on a real gentleman named Mi Miyagi, uh, Miyagi Shojin, I think his name was, who actually, you know, he studied under a master who left Okinawa, went to China, learned karate, came back and started teaching it. And his two initial students were Miyagi and another gentleman whose name I'd butcher even if I had it written down. And the type of karate that Miyagi taught while some of it's represented in Karate Kid and Cobra Kai, there's other moves he teaches and they do that are not part of true Miyagi karate. But instead, they're part of this other teacher's, this other master's karate who, and they both studied under the same master. So he's theorizing that, um, well, he, he actually went really deep and said, maybe this is actually suggesting something deeper in the story where we'll learn that Mr. Miyagi actually studied with this other guy and not me, uh, you know, okay. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> One thing he pointed out was, though, that the guy who did the um, 
advising for the fighting, the fighting, the fight advisor, and like as the technical advisor on the films, was a gentleman who studied with the other guy, not Miyagi. So that actually explains uh, behind the scenes why it happened. Sense. Yeah. So that's yeah. only true for the series, not for the original movies. No, for the movies too. In fact, oh, okay. the main thing he points out, or one of the things, is that the crane kick itself comes from the other school and not Miyagi uh, Do Karate. It's so iconic. So, yeah. Hmm. Have you ever tried? Uh, have you ever tried the crane kick on somebody in, in real life? In in real life, have you ever seen somebody <laughs> in try my it? dreams? I was I was with you until you said on somebody. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, of course. Wait, a human? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I definitely did it a lot in my backyard when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Were you standing on like a four by four block of wood or a tree stump? I don't stump? remember what I used. I probably was standing on my slide or something. My little <laughs> nice. my little play slide. Learning balance. Uh huh. <laughs> I used to say, I used to, for some reason, I used to say, hi, who? <laughs> that was your uh, Kia? <laughs> yeah. I used to say, hi, who? Hi, who? Nice. Well, I guess whatever gets that energy out, hey, the chi. I guess so. It works. It's that right. was mine. I don't know where it came from. So, Ray, has the statute of limitations expired on you so you can tell us who you kicked with the karate? No, uh, no. I was just curious. Uh, why do you think I actually did it? Mm -hmm. I'm asking you guys mm -hmm. because I, ne I never kicked anybody that way. That was a setup. I know. You wanted to tell a story about how well, you kicked No, no, no. Then you later realize, wait, this guy might find you and track you down. Nah, I got stories about kicking people, but not with a crane kick. You know, I remember learning that they, they said in that Karate Kid, technically you couldn't do the crane kick. Like if you did that, you'd be disqualified. So the entire movie's a sham. Oh. All right, well, there you go. So ruining childhoods one episode at a time. Okay, hey, now mm. I know that was a mess of random things, Derek, but I'm going to say yeah. that was 80s news. All right, good. <laughs> good. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I am I am thinking about that crane kick though. I have to say when he that crane yep. kick in the movie, oh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but man, when he does that, yeah. It just chills. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter, right? None of this matters whether Miyagi or the Southern gentleman was the master and what the moves are. That story is just no. yeah. It's all about the drama, man. <laughs> you know, that's the really cool thing about Cobra Kai, if you ever watch it. I think you know at least this much, this isn't a spoiler, is they do subvert a lot of the tropes from the original film. So you are left questioning, like, who's the real good guy in this? You know, is maybe mm. Daniel wasn't all that, uh, you know, the white knight. And maybe Johnny had redeeming qualities, too. You know, that's pretty oh, cool. That's hard to sure. imagine, but that's cool. Yeah. Is the guy, what about the guy that says... Uh, Do you have a problem with that, Mr. Lawrence? Mr. No, Mr. no, no. The, the Cobra Kai guy that's like, put him in a body bag. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. This would be a major spoiler you if we tell don't, you what Don't happened. tell him. Don't tell him. Oh, is he in it? Is he in the show? He's in oh, it. You got to watch it. Derek, it's tragic. All right, I'm in now. Oh, no. I'm in. I'm in. You, ha you have to watch it. That guy, uh, that guy, I love hated that guy so much. <laughs> we got to tell him. Come on. Put him in a body bag. Can't you we cannot tell, tell him. Can't we just ruin no. this one thing for no, you, Derek? Do not Please. ruin it no. for Derek. Uh, do not ruin no, I'm gonna it. I'm going to watch it. Okay. Then you got to do this. After you watch it, Google that actor. But don't. Oh, no. That's terrible. Don't. Stop. Never, just you know, just right, let fine, him fine, watch fine, the right, show. Right, just just yeah. let him oh, watch did it. something happen to that actor? Don't tell him. Don't say that, anything. Oh, no. Don't Google anything, Derek. Just watch the show first. Okay. Trying to get my poker face back on. Okay. It's All a great right. show, and he actually is in it. Ah, okay. dang, I wish he had watched it so we could talk about that. All right, fine. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right, so hey, we are thoroughly grateful for Derek uh, joining us today for a number of reasons, including, as he pointed out, hey, he was alive during the 1980s, and that we have a low bar here, right? I mean, Ray's on the show. <laughs> That's right. And he binges television. Oh, brother. <laughs> 
So we want to find out if Derek was inspired by 1980s pop culture. Uh, we want to talk about whether or not Future Man feels like a 1980s or a lost 1980s sci-fi comedy. And we also want to touch base on a interesting project uh, that Derek is working on what right you, now. All right. So, okay. So ask, first... Ask, ask some legitimate questions here. Let's so go. De- all right. So Derek... You know, obviously you were alive in the 1980s. I'm curious, and obviously the path you chose to follow was acting. Uh, We've spoken to a number of artists before in the past that a lot of their trajectories, ultimately their career paths, are formed early in life. Things that they're inspired by. What was the type of, I guess, how did you ultimately decide to become an actor? And was it, I'll leave it there. What what, what, uh, gave you the acting bug? Well, I I, I didn't start acting until later. Um, Okay at least professionally and certainly in the 80s when i was a kid it wasn't it wasn't something that i thought you could actually do for a living sure right um i'm i'm you know i was born and raised in kentucky just just south of, of you guys obviously is that where that is? and uh <laughs> it's not something that i mean there are a lot of famous actors from kentucky but it's not it's just where I, it just wasn't something you do do theater or anything it just wasn't something that i knew you could do yeah uh, and then I, I ended up finding my way into the, the theater program in college and I did sound design. Mm. That's, that was my kind of thing, uh, for theater. And I moved to New York to do that. Wow. And I was there for like two or three years and I've, I've decided, then I decided I wanted to be an actor. Mm. Uh, and I actually auditioned for, for, um, our friend Joe. That was my first, my first that was your first job? Mm-hmm. You're kidding me. Yeah. What was that? The yeah, Shakespeare Festival? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. I did not know that. So yeah. what makes you so sorry? Right, so were you actually did you have actually have the opportunity to do sound design and some shows while you were Yeah, I mean there? I engineered a few shows off Broadway, uh assisted um I I was at the, the Williamstown Theater Festival, um mm. designed some there. Um and then just ultimately, uh, I didn't like keeping up with the tech. Hmm. I, I, I didn't like yeah. any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, so, these actors get to just show up and stand yeah, in front of us. and Basically, leave? my favorite thing to do hmm. was just to be in the studio and, yeah. and build cues and build, sort of what you're doing hmm. right now. Um, uh, build cues and, and uh, you know, create, I would create these, I would almost take over productions and the director was always usually in love with what I would do. I would create these whole like soundscapes and, and um, I was really kind of insinuating myself way too much into (laughs) into productions. So then I was like, maybe I should actually be on stage. Uh, And I had acted in college, but I just never really thought that I would do it, you know, professionally. Um, do you but find I, I had the exact opposite experience? I started acting and then went into sound design and composing. And one of the reasons for me was because I, I got honestly in, in New York, I got tired of doing so too many productions that were, I don't know, you felt like you were, I felt not, I felt it was true. I studied acting, you know, and studied theater. Then I was in New York acting against whoever literally sometimes got up and said, you know what, I think I'll be an actor. Yeah. and audition for a show. And there's so many actors and so many productions in New York. Inevitably, you wind up working with people that don't have the same background or work ethic. And that got frustrating mm-hmm. because you could spend yeah. any amount of energy working on your character, et cetera. And then be on stage with somebody who was like, you know, literally just, I, 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 this is a real life story. Acting with someone who like a few weeks earlier was like, 
yeah. So I just started acting. You're like, really? I've been doing it. So sound design for me was a thing where I, like you're saying, you could go into the studio by yourself, craft it. You're counting on nobody else except for the director to give you notes. And then once yeah. it's up, you know, it's look, the acting can suck, but the sound design, you know, the music's going to stand on its own. Did yeah. you feel like you gave yeah. up any power? Did you, or, or did you have a similar experience, but going the other way where you had greater, greater creative control you thought maybe being in it? I, I, uh, I mean, I definitely gave up some, some power and some opportunity. I was starting to get into, into even some animation stuff. Like I would, I could have made a pretty good living, I think. Uh, doing that if I had followed that path. For sound for the animation? Doing sound, yeah, for for animation, yeah. And it was just as it was early 2000s, so it was really starting to boom. Right. Um, a, a friend of mine started a, a production company for, for animation, and I was being offered a job, and I that's when I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be an actor. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do Shakespeare tours for a couple of years and get paid whatever it was, $50 a week, yes, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, how you start. But um, uh, yeah, I definitely gave up some power, but in the end, as far as theater goes, I know this is, you can cut all this out, but as far as theater goes, uh, it just felt more and nothing against sound designers or, or, that element but for me it just felt like that the element. only necessary yeah, but it felt like the <laughs> only necessary element. thing uh yes. being an actor was necessary having sound uh, yeah you know in in it isn't ab actually necessary Many shows so, don't yeah so then so yeah I, I made the jump and it you know it took me several years and i went to and then i went to acting school in new york um uh, and got a, a master's degree in acting, <laughs> which I just think is funny. Um, <laughs> that, not sliding it, oh, it's it's amazing that you it can master it. But <laughs> that you can that you can have a master in 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 you know in pretending. Yeah, but that's what I have. Um, yeah, so, but, but there's a lot of actors who stink at pretending. It's true. They're the same character in everything they do. It's true. There's an art to that. And, and, those, and you're already you're already well past most of them because your character well, on Preacher and your character on Future Man are completely different. They're pretty different. Yeah, there's always similarities. There's something there's something about those two that are like these tough guys that have this like fragile center right mm. that comes out. Yeah. Um, so you know maybe that's a little too. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, watch a Will Smith movie and you get Will Smith. <laughs> you don't get characters. Yeah. You know, watch a Clint Eastwood movie, you get Clint Eastwood, but we love but, Clint Eastwood. But Clint Eastwood is cool as mm. That's true. So Ray doesn't care for Will Smith now we're learning? Is that? It's not that I don't care for him. It's that I could take clips from all of his movies and combine yeah. them and tell you it's a new movie, and you would think that all those characters are the same character. Mm, super cut of Will Smith movies. And you wouldn't know any different. You know, as Ray points out, and, uh, you know, obviously you started out as a theater actor, and you've... you've uh, now been on some very well-regarded uh, television, very popular television shows, obviously a very popular film, even though they keep changing the, the name. I guess they changed the name to get it to be more popular, right? We learned that. Probably more of a, yeah, more of a, you know, water cooler type. Cause, but, but it's just confusing now. Yeah. I still don't know what to call the Tom Cruise movie from oh, a yeah. few years ago that was so good. Yes. I, I call it Live, Die, Repeat. Yes. Well, yeah. But it's... Edge of Tomorrow, oh, yeah. Edge, of, Edge tomorrow. of Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. That's actually wonderful. one of his better movies, yeah. It is a great Love movie, it. yeah. I've watched that several times, and it just doesn't get old. Yeah, it's, you would think. Yeah, but, it's great. Um, so are you more comfortable with one, one uh, 
area of acting or another being on stage versus being in front of the camera? Well, right now I'd have to say being in front of the camera because it's been, yeah, almost five years since I've been on stage, which is kind of a long time. Yeah. Being in front of a camera now, which is, is, is definitely more comfortable, but it's also case by case. It depends on who you're working with. You know, do you feel the stakes um, being different? Uh, you know, you're in front of a live audience, obviously, versus, you know, maybe just, uh, you're not even wasting film anymore in these days. You don't have to worry about that. You just, you're not wasting film, but you're wasting time and money. <laughs> okay. Yes. <yeah, so> there, <laughs> which still feels, you still feel the pressure, right, so you, you know, yeah. you waste, you're wasting a lot. You're wasting daylight. <laughs> you're, you're like, it's, oh, yeah, that's you right. know, there's a lot of, there's, there's a, I actually feel like there's more pressure on set than on stage. On stage, you can always kind of get out of things. Yeah, but yeah, it's if if you're having trouble delivering a scene and the sun's going down, you know, it's just. Has there been anything in particular that tough. you've had to get out of on stage? Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing really that major. Mm. I mean, just you know, working with working with actors who don't know their lines or whatever. Yeah. You know, you just come up with creative ways, especially in Shakespeare. Yeah, that, that's always fun to to sort of. Improvised Shakespeare. <laughs> but yeah, nothing. improvising an iambic pentameter. Oh yeah. Did mm -hmm. I get all my beats in? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I'm missing an I am, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Or a foot? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um and I'm gonna cut out earlier when I said that I was started as acting, so people just think I'm a genius and know about lots of things. <laughs> I once was in a play with some mutual friends of ours, mm -hmm. and I got it was a it was a comedy of errors. This was in the early nineties. And I got mm -hmm. clocked in the head uh doing a silly fight scene. I lost a contact lens, came out. Mm -hmm. Somehow I was able to rescue it from, this is the scene still going on. Get it from my cheek. And this is in the early 90s. I think I only had one pair of contacts. I don't know if disposable contacts were a thing. And I think, you know, I was young enough that my parents probably paid for them and I didn't have money. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't go back to my dad and my mom and say this happened. So I put it in my mouth, continued to deliver lines and then hoped when I got backstage after that scene that I was able to rescue it from, which I did. <laughs> That was probably the worst thing that happened to me. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, Future Man and whether you think it uh, is the 80s sci-fi comedy that Ray and I think it is. Um, uh, but, but first, oh, Ray, I know Ray has a question for you, for you, Derek, about, yeah. uh, about the show and your character. All right, so Future Man, Corey Wolfhart, why has no one approached you yet for a spinoff of his adventures in the 80s? Um, it's... It, it, it's been, I think it's, you know, it's been talked about. We always sort of fantasize about it a little bit. And, uh, I think it's legal stuff. I think it's, mm. um, I think it's a legal thing, uh, with wow. ownership of the show. So like Ryan and Howard, wouldn't it be behind? I don't, I, I don't know. No. It's just anything connected with the show. I think we can't do now. Yeah. Um, well, these doors need to be kicked sure. down because that I know, would be I know. an amazing show. Well, I even I even said something about trying to do it even as an animated series because uh, uh, one thing with our show, which that version wouldn't be as expensive, but our show, what the problem with our show was it's a half hour comedy and it costs way too much to make it <laughs> because, you know, we have all these sci-fi effects and even right, though they sure. have a cheesy kind of look, those things, and, and that was by design, frankly, yeah. but... But uh, and and beautiful in its own way, but it was uh, it that stuff is expensive. Yeah, and um, <laughs> cost money to make it look like garbage. <laughs> yeah, extra. I mean, our our pilot was at the time was the most expensive half hour pilot ever made. Wow, <laughs> insane how much they spent. But you think no you know kidding. we like 
we we changed all of where were we on Fairfax? You know, just all the mm. all the stuff like changed it to a different time. Everything right. was very expensive. But I mean, I would love to do it. And we talk about it. I'm still, you know, I still talk to the guys all the time. And yeah, we fantasize about it. There may be a way to do it at some point. Um, well, perhaps the fans need to do what they did for Bill and Ted. Mm. Demand for Corey it. Wolfhart. They need to demand yeah. the adventures. And Ray's idea, yeah. I don't know if you said it, Ray's idea is that we find out what Corey did, Wolf did, during the 1980s. So the show would be yeah. set in the 80s. It's just yeah. what happened during that time span where he refers to all these things that happened to him. I yeah. think it'd be amazing. Yeah, the cool thing about that too is 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 just selfishly, uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, they cho- there was a whole thing where they were going to, if you remember in the show, I, I am my, my eye scar, my, right. the scar on my eye went away when I went to the 80s. <laughs> the reason they did that, it was just a generic plot device because it was taking too long to put my makeup oh. on every day. <laughs> so, so, so I got rid of it. And then they missed it. So they were like, ah, screw it. We'll, we'll deal with the time it takes. And so I had it for another, you know, two and a half seasons. So the eye scar is too hard to put on. But the giant penis on Josh wasn't too hard to put on. Well, he only had to do that a couple of times. I had to do the scar every single day. You know, <laughs> it was two hours in the chair. The the penis on Josh took a very long time. Uh, yeah, We're learning so much today. Yeah. yeah. So that would be you know, and that little that little appliance that they put on my eye every day. It, it's a new one every single day, and that's expensive. All right. So you know, it would be a lot cheaper to produce the the. 80s, Corey oh, 80s. oh yeah look at that that's part of the yeah. pitch right there mm-hmm. so you know, well, my pitch also was to do a uh a, a sort of i mean we we had a lot of ideas <laughs> that we just roll roll out a lot of what happened in later seasons came up because we were just like goofing off on set oh. what if what if what if <laughs> which is great yeah but one of my ideas was to do a sort of cheers style <laughs> Sitcom version <laughs> of Wolfheart. Wolf. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So maybe someday we'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah, it's encouraging to yeah. hear you talk about this character this way because you know one of my thoughts might be that it's such a specific character that maybe you'd want to shy away for it, from it for fear of being you know cast not typecast but maybe known for that. Yeah, I think honestly, I think the the show wasn't wasn't a big enough hit to have to be. <laughs> I mean, frankly. Well, he also has the benefit, though, of like on Preacher, he's a different, he's a completely different character. Like, I call this the Harrison Ford thing. That's Ray's favorite actor. You've just got the biggest compliment you could get, Derek. Yeah. You don't even know it. When, when he's in The Fugitive, you don't go, oh, there's Indiana Jones. That's true. When he's in Air Force One, you don't go, oh, there's Han Solo. Get off my you know, plane. There. Right. That's the president. That's the the doctor on the run. And I think that's what you have. I think... Uh, but it's still Harrison Ford, but he is able... Yes, I know what you mean. It, it, yeah. yeah. So I see it and I go, oh, Derek's playing uh, Torque today. You see, I, I think of it more like... We're just going to stick in this 80s theme now and just give you compliments via other uh, stars from the 80s. I think of it more like Kurt Russell. You got your... The thing, ah, Kurt yeah. Russell. That's a good one, too. And then you got too. your Kurt Russell where he kidnaps a woman and makes her makes her think that she's his wife. Overboard. Overboard. 
Yeah, that one. Overboard. So yeah. you got the comedy. Uh, I was trying to make a joke. It was just landed flatly. You got the comedy, <laughs> Kurt Russell, and you got the, you know. Snake. Very Action. simmery. Snake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool that, you know, uh, so you say that while well, it wasn't big enough maybe to be typecast. Again, typecast is not what I mean because you've already established yourself as an actor who's versatile, as, as Ray's pointing out. Uh, maybe it's just associated with a certain character. Some actors don't, you know, shy away from that. But what if this Wolf spinoff was huge? I mean, I would do that. I, of course, right, you know, okay. I, I would welcome that with open arms. I'd play it for the rest of my life. I was All just going to say, that, the right money. Mm-hmm. I think that thing could go longer than Supernatural. <laughs> no, well, that's like 14 years or yeah. something, a long time i would watch it it'd be fun so i uh, think thinking back to what you said earlier about uh, the cheesy graphics uh, but also considering the time travel the style of the comedy um even featuring the 1980s in, in, in you know a few episodes it can't help but feel like this show is uh, a harkening back to the sci-fi comedies that we loved as kids in the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I do. We definitely made a sort of love letter to the 80s in, in season one. It was it was very uh, it was very much on our minds the whole time we were we were making that that first season. Um, even just the look of it, the, the oh, colors, yeah. the it's so vibrant and um, right. It, it, even I think the the filter they use on, in some of the uh, on the camera it it just has a real eighties look to it. I love that. I think I I, it, I was surprised by how it looked. Actually, it, it felt very much to me like shows that we loved in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Maybe I said this already over and over again. I'm losing track. He uh, he likes to go to bed but, early, so it's getting way past that, his bedtime. Oh, whatever. This dude watches <laughs> movies till two o'clock in the oh, morning. Nice. The crappiest movies you could find. What's what's on for tonight? Um, uh, I'm thinking maybe doing Prince of Darkness. Uh, it's an old old eighties movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in forever, and it just popped in my head the other day. And I'm like, I got because mm-hmm. every every October I do thirteen for Halloween, which is try to watch a horror movie I haven't seen in at least twenty years or something I've never seen. Oh, cool! And it's getting every year it gets more and more difficult to find ones I haven't seen. So yeah, I got I get very excited because uh, when I find out my girlfriend hasn't seen certain. Movies, and she told me she has not <laughs> yeah. seen John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, I'm very excited about that. She's yes. in for a oh my treat. Gosh. Yeah, I know. I know. That the body <laughs> horror in that film is still terrifying to this day. My yeah. daughter and I are going to watch it this uh, week. It's sometime so good. Too. Yeah, that the special yeah. effects are amazing in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. He's from my hometown, John Carpenter. He's from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of in his movies. There's a lot of. Uh, little references to Bowling Green. You should use that to your advantage. Well, give <laughs> You should be in a John Carpenter movie. I think he's mostly composing now. Is he making movies still? He's No, he's just composing. He, he was touring uh, maybe within the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, he's composing and tweeting right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Never say never, though. Yes. He's on the list, right? He's on, on the list. list. <laughs> uh, with whoever you said yeah. earlier. And when, when he comes up, that's the first thing I'm going to say is, why is Derek not in one of your movies? <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> how do we work our way into this? Uh, so speaking of scary things... Um, <laughs> You know, I kind of want to pretend like we're not doing a show together, but I guess that's silly. Oh, yeah, no. no yeah, we're, we're very much in it together. I don't know that I would have convinced Derek to come on the show otherwise, except that we happen to be working on a show together right now. Are we allowed to say the name of the show, or is that bad luck? You know, actors have, and I don't, I'm not superstitious at all about anything. When I was a young uh, actor, I would go into theaters and shout out the name of the show just to drive the other <laughs> actors crazy. No, I think you can say it because you're not in, in the, the theater. theater. Okay, right. Yeah. And there's lots of theories as to why seeing Macbeth in a, the- in a theater is bad luck. 
Or yeah. whistling in a theater may be bad luck, but there's actually a historic reason for that, right? Yes. With the mm -hmm. lights. Yes. That sort of thing. Yep. So Derek and I right now are doing Macbeth in isolation, which I, I thought, you know, our producer, Sean, is, you know, keeps plugging it as that. And I didn't, at first, I didn't understand what that meant. It sounded to me like it meant, intended just to conjure up some sort of emotional or like a lonely kind of thing. But no, he means that we're recording it remotely, which is... Mm -hmm. Uh, really interesting. We've got a ton of great actors, including Derek, of course, is playing the titular role. And I'm not going to bleep that. That's that's a legitimate <laughs> word, folks. Look that up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Even Ray knows that, right? And he's crass. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know that me. word. Uh, playing the titular role of Macbeth. And we've got a number of great other actors in there. Tamara Tooney is playing Lady Macbeth. Lila Robbins is playing all of the witches. Jeffrey Owens, you know, from the Cosby show, uh, is playing King Duncan in a number of, uh, of other roles. So, uh, you know... It's a curious time we're living in. Uh, obviously, I imagine because of the pandemic, you're still forced to be home a great deal, right? You're probably not out. Uh, I know some some stuff's loosening up, but you're probably, probably otherwise not producing anything or, or acting in anything right now. No, I'm not. I mean, it, it, you know, even even auditions are are. I've got my blue screen, you know, here, oh, yeah. and uh, my light. This is my this is my audition studio right now, mm. um, and so. Yeah, I mean productions are starting to happen, uh, but it's uh, it's very, you know, the rules are very tight. And, right. Um, it's safe. like being quarantined for a period of time, and then once you're yeah. past it, you're living in a bubble with the other cast and crew yeah. until productions. Yeah. To your to your wrapped. Yep. Yeah. As far as I know, I mean, I haven't. I have a, a few friends who have started to work on things, and. Um, I haven't gotten to do it yet, but uh, hopefully I will. I mean, <laughs> you know, we all want jobs. Yes. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it, I have not been going out. Right. Um, so a, a number of us got together and say, how can we continue to do the work? Because, you know, like Brene Brown said, I think it was Brene Brown that said, I've been waiting to use this quote for you to come on, Derek, so I sound smart. Uh, Brene Brown said something about uh, sub suppressing creative energy is not benign. So this idea that you mm -hmm. can't, if, you have, if you're a creative person, you can't keep it inside, something bad will happen. There's consequences. Yeah. So we've got a number of, of uh, mutual friends that have tried to figure out a way to continue to work and work for a good cause. Uh, so we're doing this production of Macbeth where all the actors recorded their lines from home uh, and it's being pieced together meticulously to actually sound like a really cool surround sound, like you're really in the space eavesdropping on the Macbeths as they plot murder and commit murder yeah. and a number of different devious things. Yeah, it's just audio, as you know, but it's... it's yes, so, you're yeah, right. It's not... Uh, right. It's a, it's an audio... What do they say? Experiment? Yeah, audio <laughs> I'm glad you said that. A <laughs> uh, surround sound experiment. I think yeah. is it. Yeah, yeah. Which gives us a lot of wiggle room. <laughs> right, right. When people say it sucked, it was an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that too when I saw right? experiment. I was like, oh, okay. No one yelled uh, at Edison when he made 999 bulbs that didn't work, or whatever the story is. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, what's been your experience recording that? And now, you look, you could say anything you want. You could say you hate me for this, but we put you through. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to edit your words in another order because I also do sound design. To make it sure, sound like he yeah. gave us a compliment. But what was it like to act against, I guess, against a screen of actors versus being there in person with people? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, the actors are on screen, but I, I because we were, we're doing it uh, for uh, a, as a sort of aural experience, right. I didn't really look at the screen that much. Right. I, I, um, I just tried to listen and and uh, and do it that way. Um, the experience was 
was actually great. It was better than I thought it would be. Uh, it was uh, it was a bit like making a film, right. for you know, because we we did takes. We would go back and we would, you know, fix this and actually have, you know, <laughs> on Saturday I'm still fixing some things. Continue to be torn. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, but you know that's a, that's a lot like uh, like you know we're we're spending this much time on this scene and then we move on mm-hmm. and uh, um, I don't know I think originally the director uh, Joe was thinking about having it to try to just do a run and record the run. Right. Um, I may have had something to do with talking him out of that. Yes. Because yeah. I'd actually just done two other uh, Shakespeare radio plays before this um, during the pandemic. So I, you know, I had a little bit of, of, you know, there's just too many things technically that, that will go wrong when you, <laughs> when you try to do it like that. Buffering. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's all the little the little internet hits and, and we were well, we were just talking to John Casir yesterday, you know, the crypt keeper, and mm-hmm. he's talking about how you know, voice acting's not for everybody because mm-hmm. you're acting against nothing. You've got a sheet of paper, you know, it's how this character lives inside of you and what you're conjuring and not everybody mm-hmm. could do what you guys did, you know, acting uh, in isolation like that. You weren't even looking at a screen, some folks were, but um, Yeah. It's a credit to you guys how it sounds like you're really together and really responding to one another. It's amazing. Good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't sure. I, voice acting isn't something that I, you know, I've done a lot. Of. Yeah. So uh, it, it, this situation we're in has forced a lot of us to, to do it and to yeah. figure out how to, how to do it. And uh, yeah. It's an experiment. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So if it fails, it's yeah. fine. We told you. Uh, so we yeah, tried. That, so you can uh, get tickets to listen to <laughs> Macbeth. It. Macbeth, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline. Uh, so <laughs> Macbeth, you can start listening. You will be able to listen to that on October 30th, 31st, and November 1st. You can go to knockatthegate.com for tickets and more information. So, so Derek, we've taken <laughs> more than enough of your time today, and we are so grateful. So thank you again for, for coming on the show today. I hope I said some interesting, useful things. <laughs> <laughs> so Ray, we talked about how Future Man is. Look, you heard it from Derek Wilson himself mm-hmm. that the Future Man is an homage to the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm putting some words in his mouth. But did we prove anything? We have proven oh, beyond a shadow of a doubt. You're that confident? Uh, right? I absolutely am. Okay, that uh, the Corey Wolfhart adventures oh. <laughs> absolutely needs to happen. All right. Hey. Yes. <laughs> And we'll talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya.